Well, Merry Christmas. It is great to be with you guys this week. I want to welcome you here at the Long Point campus. I also want to welcome those of you that are joining us at one of our uh, other campuses. We're very glad to have you guys along for the ride. I want to give a special shout out to the Irmo campus and their brand new campus pastor, Pat Fiore, and his wife, Susan, uh, were installed last weekend. So welcome to the family, guys. We're excited to have you all. In fact, Long Point, would you all help me welcome uh, Pat and Susan to the Irmo campus? Well, my name is Josh Surratt. I'm the Long, Long Point campus pastor, and I am really excited about uh, being with you guys this weekend. I'm excited about the Christmas season as well. In fact, let me find, I mean, you guys may not know it or not. It, it is the first weekend of December, so Christmas is actually on the way. It's coming. And uh, how many of you guys have actually already finished your Christmas shopping? Just raise your hand. Okay, there's a handful of overachievers. Uh, I'm not going to say that I don't like you, because I do. I just don't know that I could hang out with you because I would just feel guilty when I'm around you. Uh, but that's awesome. I'm proud of you. How about how many of you have yet to put up your Christmas tree? Any of you guys? Okay. A lot more hands. I'm feeling better already uh, with, with this crew. Uh, I've put up our tree, but, but I am excited about the Christmas season. One of the things I love about Christmas is that it, bring, it brings some tradition to my life. I'm not a real traditional guy. Uh, I grew up in Seacoast as my church, and it's not a real traditional church, but but I love about Christmas is it brings up things every year that have kind of become traditions for my family. You know, one of them is, is decorating the Christmas tree. The kids love it, and uh, my wife Lisa, she makes some caramel popcorn, and, and we kind of get together, we have some, some great Christmas music playing, and, and we decorate the Christmas tree. You know, our family loves to go to the Christmas parade as well. Uh, that happens here in Mount Pleasant. We do that as a family every year. Uh, we watch a movie together. We watch the Polar Express. Uh, it used to be Elf, and then we had kids, and now it's the Polar Express. I'm not bitter. Uh, I'm just saying that's how, how it goes. Um, <coughs> but but all, the, all the things, all the, all the traditions that go with Christmas. We bake the Christmas trees, put up uh, uh, Christmas cookies, put up the lights. Sometimes we bake the Christmas trees when we put up the lights. Um, but, you know, that's just the way, way it goes. Uh, one, of the, one of the traditions that all of us can appreciate and enjoy at Christmas time is the Christmas carols. You, know, you may not appreciate that they start after Halloween every year, uh, but you can hopefully appreciate the Christmas carols. And we're, we're going to start a series right now called Christmas Playlist. And I'm excited about it because, you know, every song has a story. Uh, every song has a story that's behind it. And so we're going to take the next couple of weeks and take some of the most famous Christmas carols that we sing every year and look at the story behind the song. And we actually asked you guys to vote. And so we said, uh, Seacoast, would you vote on your favorite Christmas carols uh, of all time? And so you guys voted. And the song that you guys picked this weekend, I'm, I'm really excited about because it has a really fascinating story behind it. Uh, let me set the table for you guys a little bit for the season and the, the, the environment that this song was written in. This song was written in 1962 in October. How many of you were around in October of 1962? Okay, a lot of you guys were around in October. I was not, but I did some research. And October of 1962 was one of the most troubling times that our country has ever been in. In fact, it was one of the greatest crises that our country has ever faced. Uh, we, our, our military was doing a re, uh, kind of a routine reconnaissance mission uh, flight over Cuba, and they discovered that there were some missiles that were being developed and being uh, built in Cuba. And so after doing a little bit of uh, intelligence background on it, they realized that the people that were making these missiles, it was our chief rival at the time, the Soviet Union. We're, we're building nuclear missiles in Cuba. And these missiles would have the capacity to strike every major city on continental United States, nuclear missiles. And so you can imagine, as the word kind of got leaked to the public that this was going on, a sense of despair filled the air. I mean, what's going to happen now? And so 
the U.S. government decided that what they would do is set up a blockade around the island of Cuba, uh, and they would prevent any, any more ships from coming in and, and bringing any further weapons into the country. And so this set up the inevitable showdown of two of the greatest powers in the known world were getting ready to collide, and the whole world was watching. Well, one guy in particular was watching very closely. It was a guy named Noel Regney. You're probably not familiar with that name. Noel was a guy, he was born in 1922, and he knew what war was about. He was born in Germany. And as a teenager, he was drafted into the Nazi German army. Now, Noel hated everything that the Nazis stood for. He didn't buy into the regime. He didn't buy into what was going on. And so eventually, he became a, uh, a spy for the French underground. And so what he would do is he would warn the French when the Germans were getting ready to attack. And in one particular battle, he warned the, the French, and the, the Germans came in, and the French were ready. And so they, they took him out. He was injured. He was shot in the battle. Uh, and most of his fellow soldiers in that troop were killed in battle. And the image of these men that, although he didn't believe the same way he did, he had gotten to know them. The image of them dying on the battlefield never left him. And so he wrote out the rest of the war in France. And eventually after the war, in 1950, he moved to Manhattan, New York. He hoped to live the rest of his life in relative peace after the trauma that he had been through. Well, fast forward to 1962 and and the Cuban Missile Crisis that's going on. You know, a sense of fear and anxiety ruled the day. Everyone was kind of storing up uh, goods and trying to figure out what they were going to do in the event of a nuclear war. To, to this date, history says that was the closest that we've ever come to nuclear war. Well, Noel was walking home one night on the streets of Manhattan, and he saw these, these two moms, and they were pushing strollers, and there were these two little babies in the strollers. And he noticed that the babies were looking at each other, and they were laughing, and they were smiling, and they were giggling. And he said, you know, when I saw those babies in the stroller, my entire countenance changed. There was something about the peace that was within these children in the midst of this utter chaos that our country was going through that that changed everything about my countenance. He said, the innocence of those little babies reminded me of a little lamb, an innocent little lamb. And so he went home that night and he, he took out a piece of pen and paper and he wrote a song that starts like this. It says, as the night wind whispered to the lamb. You know what, let's take a couple of minutes and listen to the words of that song together.
Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy. Do you hear what I hear? A song, a song, high above the trees, with a voice as big as the sea, with a voice as big as the sea. Shepherd boy to the mighty king, do you know what I know? In your palace, warm, mighty king, do you know what I know? A child, a child, shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Say the king to the people everywhere. Listen. For peace, people everywhere. Listen to what I say. The child, the child, sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light. He will bring us goodness. So Bing Crosby, one year later, recorded in 1963, and the rest is history with that song. You know it. We've all heard it. We've heard it multiple times already this Christmas season. Well, here's what Noel Regney said later in life when he was thinking back and reflecting on that song. He said, I am amazed that people can think that they know that song and not know that it is a prayer for peace. But we are so bombarded by sounds and our attention spans are so short that people don't even realize it. A prayer for peace. How many of you could use some peace this Christmas season? A lot of us. I know I could. You know, a lot of different reasons. I made the mistake this year of going out into the Black Friday mess. Uh, Never did it before. And uh, I decided to go to Walmart uh, up at Tanger Outlet. And there was actually a movie that I thought would be fun for my kids to watch. And and so I picked up, it was the last movie, and it was on sale. It was like $12 or something like that. And I was trying to decide if I should buy it or not. And so I was holding the movie in my left hand, and I was holding my cell phone in, in my right hand. I called my wife, who was at Target, and I was explaining the situation to her. Well, as I'm on the phone with her, this woman walks up behind me, and she reaches over my shoulder, and she grabs that movie right out of my hand, and she keeps on going. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? 
And so, um, so I'm trying to decide what do I do here, and, and I, didn't, I didn't do anything. I froze up. Uh, for a couple reasons. One, I knew that the media w- were already looking for a fight, and I didn't have any pepper spray. Uh, and so <laughs> chances are she probably would have, she probably would have taken me in that, in that moment. And so I didn't do anything. But I can promise you there, there was not a whole lot of peace that was happening on Black Friday. But, but it's Christmas, and our schedules are crazy. And uh, if you have nothing else going on in your lives, just the schedule and the parties and the gifts and trying to figure out where the money's going to come from and all that stuff, you know, it could use some peace during this Christmas season. And although we're not in the midst of a Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, we are in a pretty, pretty strange time in our land. You know, we, we live in a time where our government can't seem to get along at all. Uh, there, there's a lot of tension and, and stress about what might happen in the future. And, and frankly, I'm not a doomsday person, but it, it doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. Then you've got the some of the stuff that's come out on the news, I mean, if you just turn it on and you've got people in, in p- positions of authority that are abusing that, positions that you would normally trust uh, that, that are abusing that, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. We've seen several nations collapse this year as their economies have fallen out and the people have revolted. And for some of us, you can add in the stress that you weren't planning for right now. Maybe you have an illness heading into this Christmas season that you weren't planning on having. You know, maybe you've lost a job and, and you're facing a Christmas season without employment for the first time in a long time. Or maybe this Christmas you're facing it without a loved one for the first time ever. And, and you're not really sure if you even want to go there. Well, just as Noel Regney found peace from the Christmas story in 1962, I want to take a few minutes and look at the Christmas story and see if we can find peace in the midst of the chaos whether it's Christmas or whether it's otherwise going on in your life. But, but before we get into that, where do we usually look for peace? I mean, where do we look for it? We look for peace in people, don't we? Uh, I mean, if I could just hire the right person, you know, my department would have peace. Or, or if, I, if I could just get rid of this roommate, you know, maybe I'd have a little bit more peace in my life. Or maybe you own, own, own a, a, an apartment, and if I could just get rid of this tenant, or maybe you're in an apartment, if I could just get rid of this landlord... I would have peace. And when we try to figure out ways to remove the people who bring uh, anxiety and discord into our lives. Sometimes we look for peace in places, don't we? I mean, I, mean, I remember that, that time that I was in that place and I had peace. If I could just get back to that place where I experienced peace in my life. But you know the drill on that. Oftentimes you go back to that place and, and there's no peace. Things have changed. Stuff, different stuff is going on. Sometimes we look for peace in the stuff, and you don't need me to tell you that the, the, the latest Xbox 360 Connect is probably not going to bring peace, or, or the iPhone 4S is probably not going to bring peace. It doesn't mean you shouldn't buy one for your pastor. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it's not going to give you peace. But, but sometimes we look for, for stuff in that, and I'm joking. I don't need anything. Uh, you know, food. Did you guys know that when you spell stressed backwards, you know what that spells? Dessert. Some of us are looking for dessert this Christmas season for some peace, and, and some of us take it even further, and we look to substance. Maybe it's that extra uh, glass of eggnog this season, or maybe it's, it's beyond that. And the problem is, is that that stuff wears off. And typically, when you wake up, we have more turmoil than before we even started. See, the problem is, is that these things can give you peace. You can find peace from these exterior things, but it's momentary, and it doesn't last, and it's not really all that significant. See, the, the truth is that peace comes from the inside out. 
Peace can't come from the outside in. And the question for each of us this Christmas season is, am I going to look for peace from the outside, from some of this stuff, fill in the blank? Or am I going to find peace from within where God has ordained it to come from? Well, how do we get it? When, when God prophesied about his, the coming Savior, this is what he said in Isaiah 9, 6. He said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I want you to circle the phrase, Prince of Peace. So how, how do we experience peace this Christmas? Let's look in the Christmas story to start and see if we find any peace there. It's a passage that most of us are familiar with. It's Luke 2, 8 through 14. Let's read it together. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Okay, so if you read that story and you sense peace or you see peace, chances are you grew up with like a nativity scene on your mantle because the truth is there's not a whole lot of peace in this particular story. Uh, here's how I know this. I went camping the other night. Uh, some friends of ours, we decided to go camping. And when you're, you're in the middle of the night, as those shepherds were, and it's dark and there's no light and there's no electricity, there's not a TV on, any sound or light that's not expected is going to bring fear and anxiety. We experienced that. Uh, we experienced that several times that night. And so chances are those shepherds weren't experiencing peace right away. And then if you look at the Christmas story, it's really not all that peaceful. I mean, you have a 15-year-old girl who's not married, who ends up pregnant. And according to her story, she saw an angel and the father of this particular child is God. Can you imagine how that flies at the PTA meeting? You know, not, not really a peaceful situation. And <coughs> excuse me, eventually uh, Joseph sticks around and in her ninth month of pregnancy, he's got to make a road trip and she's got to go with him. And so they get on a donkey and they have to travel about 90 miles to go to Joseph's hometown. Now, 90 miles, that's about from the Columbia campus here to Charleston. And she's nine months pregnant. Can you imagine nine months pregnant? Any of you been pregnant? Uh, my wife and I made a trip to New York City uh, when she was eight months pregnant. And our doctor nearly killed us. I don't think many OBGYNs would, would be real excited about a donkey ride uh, for 90 miles at nine months pregnant. And so, so they finish this donkey ride and they pull up into this this hotel, and, and he, he parks it kind of there at the registration area, and he walks in, and, and he talks to the guy at the concierge, and he says, hey, we got to get a room uh, tonight. My wife's pregnant, and, and the guy goes, hey, man, the reason you're in town, everyone's in town for that, uh, that census deal, and, and, and we, we got nothing. And he's like, dude, I cannot walk back out there and tell this girl that we don't have a room. you got to help me out. And so eventually they figure out that there's a, a barn out back where there are animals sleeping, and he says, dude, if you want to sleep here, you can and so I, I, I envision Joseph. He comes back out uh, to the registration area and he says, hey, um, babe, I've got some good news and some bad news. Um, you remember that, that honeymoon suite that we had talked about with the jacuzzi and the wine and the, the you know, yeah, that's not going to happen uh, tonight. But they did find a place for us and there's some soft 
pillows, uh, apparently, or, or hay or something like that. And so we're going um, we're, we're to stay there for the night. And, and she gets there. She doesn't have an epidural. And, and she has this baby. Can I tell you, there's no peace in that. I promise you that. Uh, no peace without an epidural. And, and so this is the story. And then to make matters worse, uh, King Herod is threatened by this baby. And so King Herod makes a decree that all little boys under the age of two are to be killed. And so they've got to go into hiding. They've got to figure out how to, how to protect this little baby. There wasn't much peace in the Christmas story. And then you fast forward to today. And there are a lot of people today that, that really aren't experiencing peace, even within this church. You know, there are a lot of marriages today that, that, that aren't experiencing peace. You know, sadly, the statistics say that there are almost as many divorces that happen within the church that, that happen outside of the church. And, and so there's not a lot of peace going on in marriages. And then financially, I mean, I know three people, three close friends of mine that lost jobs this week. And, and there's not always a lot of peace in that. You know, you turn on the news and you see that there are terrorist attacks that are being foiled and there are car bombs and there are all, the, all these things that are going on. There's not much peace in that. So my question is this, did Jesus fail? I mean, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, if Jesus was called to bring peace and we're not experiencing peace right now, did he fail? Or, or what's going on? Well, let's unpack that for just a couple of minutes. Jesus, one of the titles that God gave him was Prince of Peace. If you look in the original language, the words that are used there are Sar Shalom. Uh, Sar literally is translated prince. And so it means prince or captain, leader. Uh, he, he's in charge of Shalom, which is peace. And that's translated as tranquility or a sense of contentedness, a, a, an absence of discord. And so Jesus, one of his titles is the, he, he's in charge of the peace. You know, so wherever peace is, the Sar Shalom, the prince of peace, he's in charge of that. He, he holds the copyright on peace. So, so if I'm a believer and I, and I commit my life to Christ, you know, Jesus has got this pathway. And as long as I stay on this pathway where I'm walking close to Jesus, he can offer me peace. He's the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom. And so, so you commit your life to Christ and you experience a sense of peace in your life. Now here's the problem for most of us is that somewhere along the way, we tend to, to kind of move away from this path of peace. And maybe it's that we make some decisions. We're still a Christ follower. We still call ourselves a Christian and, and we still try to walk with them, but we're making decisions and, and we're not experiencing peace. Maybe I'm, I'm sleeping with someone that I'm not married to and, and all of a sudden I'm not experiencing this peace in my life. Or maybe I spend a lot more than I have this Christmas season. And, and I promise you, whether you're a believer or not, if you spend more than you have this Christmas season, you're gonna wake up someday in January when the bill comes in and there's not gonna be peace. Regardless of, of, of who you believe in, there's not going to be peace because you're not living your life in the way that the Prince of Peace designed. And so, so we find ourselves drifting in this place where we just don't experience peace. And so we have the Sar Shalom over here in the path to peace. And if we'll stay under his rule, if we'll stay connected to him, he promises that he will give us peace. What kind of peace does the Sar Shalom offer? There's a couple of, couple of kinds of peace that I want to talk about. Uh, one of them is, is he offers us the comforting peace. Comforting peace. Look at John 14, verse 27. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Have you ever thought it would be nice to borrow somebody else's peace? I don't know if you, I don't know, if you know somebody that just seems to be calm. They seem to stay cool and comfortable and, 
in crazy situations like, dude, could I have some of that? I don't know what you're taking or what you're doing, but I'd like to have some of that. Well, that's what Jesus says. Not only you can borrow, he says, I want to give it to you. My peace, it's not like the peace that the world offers. It's not temporary. It's not conditional. It's, it's my peace and I want to give it to you. And, and I want to leave it with you. I, and it's available for you. In fact, he says, if you'll walk with me, you can use my peace. And I love how it plays out in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So he says there's two options when, you, when something troubling happens. And, and by the way, when I stay on the path of peace, please hear me. I'm not saying there won't be storms. I'm not saying we won't have trouble in life. Jesus said you will have trouble. I'm saying that when you go through those storms, you can go through them with peace. We're all going to deal with storms. You know, everyone in this building is going to deal with them, but, but we can walk with the Sar Shalom through those troubles and experience that peace. And he says, if, if, when, when, when those storms come, when the trouble comes, we can either pray or we can worry. Most of us worry. I know I tend to do it a lot, but he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. And it says that when we do that, sometimes he'll calm the storm and sometimes he'll just give you an umbrella of peace and he'll offer you peace. He says, then you will experience in verse seven, God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. This is God's comforting peace. This is what we sometimes call the peace that passes all understanding. It's when the circumstances don't make sense, but God gives us peace. It's the peace that comes to a grieving family. You know, I've walked with several families this year who have lost children, uh, teenagers, 20-somethings, and, and I cannot explain to you how it works. It's nothing that I do, I can promise you that, but there's something about when that family is rooted in God and they're rooted in, in Christ, it's hard. There's no question, it's painful, it's extremely, extremely painful, and it always will be. But, but they always look back and they say, I could never have walked through that without God in my life. I could never have done that without the peace of God in my life. And, and he offers us, that peace. And some of us are here tonight, this weekend, and, and we need that comforting peace. You know, we need to experience God's comforting peace. I experienced his comforting peace this week, actually. I was preparing for this message. It was Monday. And uh, we were talking about peace and how God offers peace. And, and I got a phone call as soon as I finished that meeting, and it was, it was from my dad. And he said, Josh, um, something i don't know what's going on i'm experiencing some health health symptoms i'm going to go up to the doctor's office uh for a little bit uh it'll be fine but i'm not i I just want to tell you why i wasn't at the meeting and so i said okay it's fine well a couple hours later uh we we got a hold of him and he was being admitted into the hospital because they had done a cat scan and they were trying to figure out what was going on and then he needed an mri and then it was going to be an overnight stay in the hospital and and we didn't have any answers all we did is had some possibilities of what, what it might be and so I was in the waiting room and my mind started to, you know, the whole you pray or you worry. And, and my mind started going to the worry side. And I'm starting to think, what could this be? And, and I wonder if it was that, what would that mean? And, and how could this turn out? And, and I found myself starting to experience some anxiety over this issue. And so I got away by myself and, and I was reminded of a psalm in Psalm 62, verse 5 through 8. Let me read it to you. It says, let all that I am wait quietly before God. For my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O my people, trust in him at all times. Guys, I can't really explain it, but when I read that scripture, 
a sense of peace just rushed over me. Really, it's the same kind of peace that we experienced when Martin just sang that song. It, it, was, it was like a sense of God's peace said, you know what, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I do know that we're going to be okay because God is still on the throne. God is still in control. God is still sovereign, and we're going to be fine. And I want to set your minds at ease. It turns out uh, after a series of tests, uh, it was really nothing serious at all. They said, Dad's a little bit of a wimp. And um, <laughs> no, they didn't say that. He had some, some form of an atypical migraine that is treatable. The problem is it's treatable by giving up caffeine. And so he's given up caffeine, coffee, diet Cokes. And so there hasn't been a lot of peace when we've been around him. But, um, but, but he's fine. But he's fine. And, 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 and we're thankful for that. And we're grateful for that. But you know what? For some of you, the, the report came back from the MRI and it wasn't all okay. It, it wasn't good news. It, it was, in fact, really bad news. And, and you're facing a Christmas this year. Maybe it's the first time since you got that report from the doctor. Maybe you're facing this Christmas the first time since the divorce or, or the first time since the bankruptcy. Maybe for you it's the first Christmas without my mom without my dad or without my son or my daughter. And it didn't turn out so well, but I can promise you that Jesus offers his peace. He wants to give us that comforting peace from the Sar Shalom, the only source where it'll last. And he offers it freely. That verse in Philippians finishes and it says, his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And I love that visual of his peace just guarding your heart. You know, when you're tempted to be stressed, you're tempted to be anxious, it's, it's going to guard your heart and ensure that you walk through it. Okay. So Jesus offers comforting peace. And for some of us, that's what we need this weekend. We already know what response time is going to look like. We're going to need to pray that God will give us that comforting peace. Another kind of peace that he offers is his saving peace. Saving peace. Look with me at Romans 5.1. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Why? Because of what Christ our Lord has done for us. We have peace with God because of what Christ our Lord has done for us. Not because of what we're doing on our own. You know, and not because we have more right going on in our life than wrong. Or because we've done more good than bad. But because of what Christ did on the cross. You know, chances are every one of us in this room has wrestled at one point or another of, am I at peace with God? Uh, do, I, do I have peace with my relationship with God? And maybe you don't feel his peace. You know, why, why could that be? Maybe it's because the Prince of Peace has actually moved away from you to, to draw you towards himself. Sometimes that happens. You know, uh, maybe he's allowed a strategic absence of peace in your life so that you will know of your need for him and that he'll draw you to himself. There have been many times in my life, especially prior to my relationship with Christ, that, that I experienced this absence of peace. In fact, I remember I grew up in the church and I was 15, 16, 17 years old. I don't remember how old I was. But I'd stayed up all night and partied all night long. And I came to church uh, on a Sunday morning. And I, I, I was feeling terrible. I spent most of the church in the bathroom. And, and I can remember walking out into the foyer and I saw all these people. And it seemed like there was so much peace going on. And I had none of it. I was full of turmoil. And I know why that is. It's because I knew that I was not at peace with God. I, I was not living for him. I hadn't surrendered my life to him. And I was walking in rebellion from him. And, and I wasn't experiencing peace. And some of you are there this weekend. There's not peace in your life because you're not at peace with God. You haven't settled what Christ did for you. And sometimes 
you know, you're just, uh, that morning, I know I was just very aware of my sinfulness. Are you guys aware of your sinfulness? Let me help. Let me help. How many of you guys have ever told a lie? Anybody up in the house? Okay. All right. Good, good. A lot of you guys admitted to that. Uh, There are some that didn't. And so there are some of us that have told lies and there are some of us that just lied in church. And so now we're all, we're all on the same page. How many of you guys have ever stolen anything? Anybody ever stolen anything? Okay. Yep. A lot of us, uh, a lot of us have stolen stuff. What about a lustful thought? Anybody had it? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. I, listen, but a lot of us have, have had lustful thoughts. What does the Bible say about lustful thoughts? Jesus actually said that if you lust for somebody in your heart, you've actually committed adultery with them in, in, in your heart. And so if you lust with your eyes, you've, you've committed adultery in your heart. So, so basically what just happened here is we all were transparent, and I appreciate that. And the campuses, uh, it was pretty ugly here. I don't know what it was like where you're at. Uh, but, but at long point, what we realize is that we are all lying, adultering thieves. Okay? That's who's sitting around you. Look down your row. That's who you're sitting with right now. You know, it's, it's no wonder that we wouldn't feel peace with God. Because if we're, if, if we're held up to, to the standards that God set, you know, the Ten Commandments, His written law, then we're all toast. We're all in trouble. Naturally, we would not be experiencing peace. And that's why Christmas is so important, guys. That's why the fact that God humbled himself and became a, a baby and came to this earth so that we could experience peace with him, so that he could make things right because he wanted so desperately to have that relationship with us. See, he was born of a virgin. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Bethlehem. And, and the problem is that we're born of earthly fathers. We're born into a sin nature. You know, we've talked a lot about how you, I don't need to convince you of that. I've never had to convince my kids how to sin. They get it. It comes naturally. It's, it's, it's there. It's hardwired in them. You know, and, and, and Jesus did not have a sin nature. He, he came uh, divine and he was also 100% human. But, but he became the innocent sacrifice for our sin. He was slain on a cross. He rose again to bring peace to those who had come under his rule. That's his saving peace. That's the saving peace that the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, wants to offer each and every one of us today. There's no reason that you should walk out of this place this weekend not knowing that you've experienced the saving peace of Christ. It's as simple as saying, God, would you forgive me of my sin? I believe that what you did is true, and I want peace with you. I, I'm a sinner. I, I've fallen short, and I, I wanna, when, I, when I die one day, I want to stand on the fact of what you did and not what I did. Because what I did falls short. So those are a couple of kinds of peace. Very quickly as we close, how do I receive God's peace? I mean, practically speaking, how do I receive it? How do I live in it? One is by learning to be content. I'm just going to give you a couple of quick thoughts. And for some of you, this may be exactly what you needed. I'm not going to explain them a whole lot. But Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I've got to learn to be content. Paul says, I have learned to be satisfied with the things I have and with everything that happens. I know how to live when I am poor. And I know how to live when I have plenty. I have learned the secret of being happy at any time in everything that happens. When I have enough to eat and when I go hungry. When I have more than I need. When I don't have as much as I need. I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. Got to learn to be content. I heard it described by a friend. Contentment. It's embracing the season that you're in. Embrace the season. You know, I have two young kids. There's a lot of things that I, I look forward to. I can't wait until... They're old enough where I can take them camping and I can get them involved in sports and I can play, play sports with them uh, kind of on, on teams and teach them about sportsmanship. That was a huge part of my childhood and I can't wait to get there. But if I'm not careful, I'll be so 
uh, focused on where I want to be, the season that I want to be in, that, I, that I'll miss the contentment and the peace and the joy that's in the season I'm in right now. And that happens all through life. I, I, I thought about it before I had kids, before I got married, before I retired. You know, all these things that you, that you may be struggling with. Learn to embrace the season that you're in. Learn to be, be content with where you're at. A second way that I can experience it is by trusting God with the details. I love one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So we can trust God with the details. There may be some details of your life this Christmas season that don't look good for you. And you're wrestling with, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to take control of the situation? I love how dad often says, give up your right as the general manager of the universe and allow God to be God and trust him with the details. Learn to pray, for him, pray, pray about the details. Thirdly, and most importantly, by surrendering my life to God. By surrendering my life to God. Psalms 119, 165 says, Those who love your teachings will find true peace and nothing will defeat them. I love that. So we've got to be willing to surrender. For some of us, we we prayed a prayer one time, and maybe for you that was a a marker in your life where you surrendered your life and you became a Christ follower. But maybe if you really had to take inventory of our lives as you kind of look at it today, here in December, go, you know what, I don't know that I'm living a surrendered life. I don't know that I've, I've really surrendered to the lordship of the Prince of Peace. And maybe it's being highlighted by some areas of a lack of peace going on in my life. And I would encourage you, if that's you, that this be the day that we re-surrender or surrender our lives to Christ. Some of us have never done it. And that's what we'll do during response time. Very quickly, how do I maintain my peace? Look at Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Philippians 4.8, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about the things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Circle the words, fix your thoughts. This past Wednesday, uh, we put Miles to bed, and he kept getting out. Uh, That's not totally abnormal in our home, but he kept getting out, and, and, and we were like, Miles you need to stay in your bed, you know, you know the drill, let's do this, let's go to bed. And he kept coming back out. And so finally I, I walked in there with him and I sat down on his bed and I said, Miles, what's going on? I mean, what, 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 why do you keep getting out of the bed? And he goes, Daddy, I've been thinking about something. Can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. He said, Daddy, is it, is it possible that I would fall into the toilet and get flushed down the toilet and that's how I would go to heaven? <laughs> like, What? Where? What are you talking about? No. What, what? What? Stop. Stop thinking about these things. What are you doing? And he goes, Daddy, I, I can't help it. My brain told me to think about that, and so I have to think about that. And so I'm like, Oh my goodness. What? I mean, what do I do here? And, and God brought this verse to mind. You know, fix your thoughts on what, what is pure. And I said, You know what, Miles? Um, your brain may have told you to think about that. And that's. I'll give that to you. That that happens sometimes. But you don't have to think about it. You don't have to dwell on it. And I told him about the verse. I said, the Bible says that, that you can fix your thoughts on things that are pure and good and, and awesome. And so, so you can think that. But, but what I want you to do is I want you to focus your thoughts on a couple of things. Why don't you think about how much Jesus loves you? Because you know, we talk about it all the time. I want you to think about how much Jesus cares for you. Do you think Jesus is going to let you get flushed down the toilet? No. He loves you. All right, buddy. I want you to think about your mommy and daddy. 
I want you to think about how much we love you, and we've got Friday Family Fun Day coming. I want you to think about some things you want to do on Friday Family Fun Day. And Miles, I, I, if you have to, I want you to think about Mario. It says anything that's worthy of, you know, anything praiseworthy. And for us in our home, for him, Mario is praiseworthy. So I said, if, if you have to, go for it. And, and he was like, okay, okay, I'll do that. And so I was walking out the room, and I heard him in his bed. He goes, brain, tonight we're thinking about Mario. <laughs> And, and I never heard from him again. He went to bed. You know what? I laid my head down on the pillow that night, and I thought, you know, I'm obviously not thinking about and worrying about the same things that he is, but, but sometimes I let my, my mind go to, to places that it really shouldn't go. I find myself thinking and worrying about things that aren't ever even going to come true. And I don't know what it is that's causing anxiety or despair or fear for you when you lay your head down at night, but can I encourage you? Fix your mind on the, 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 the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom, the one who wants to give peace that passes all understanding, and he'll be faithful to do it. So I hope for all of us, the next time that we are doing our Christmas shopping or riding around in our car and, and the song, Do You Hear What I Hear, comes up, that it'll be a reminder for us to fix our thoughts and fix our hearts on the Prince of Peace. Would you guys pray with me? God, I, I just thank you so much. Lord, you know my heart. You know that there are so many things, God, that I, that I wrestle with with this. There are so many things that I, I become anxious about, God. And I thank you so much, Lord, that you are the Prince of Peace. You are the Sar Shalom. Lord, and that you've come to bring a comforting peace, a saving peace, a peace that will endure any circumstance that I ever have to walk through. And so, God, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters this weekend, Lord, who are here and they're experiencing despair they're experiencing stress they're experiencing anxiety and god i just pray lord that you would supernaturally fill them with your peace lord that they would walk through this christmas season as as one who walks confidently in the peace of god that's given to them through his son the prince of peace lord i pray for the people here that are here this weekend that really need to just commit their lives to you for the first time experience that saving peace, that peace with God that, that confidently knows that when my days run out, I'm okay because I stand on not what I've done, but on what he did. And so God, I thank you for those people. And we just pray, Lord, that you would draw them near to yourself. Lord, and make that very clear for, for those that need to ha ha experience that saving peace this weekend. So God, for the next 15 minutes or so, we're gonna fix our thoughts on you. We're going to fix our hearts on you. Lord, we're going to worship you like never before. In Jesus' name, amen.